As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Women have been giving birth for centuries, so it's a pretty natural experience, right? Wrong. I'm Stephanie King, professional doula, childbirth educator, and the creator of the My Essential Birth Course, the online childbirth education course that's helping women everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. Today's culture would have us think that birth should be treated like an illness or an emergency, and that most of us need other people telling us what's best for our bodies because we aren't the experts. So sit tight, because if you're tuning into this podcast, you'll probably start to believe in your body, your intuition, and find yourself empowered and confident to do what it takes to have the birth of your dreams. If you like listening to me take you through these weekly topics step-by-step, then you're going to love the My Essential Birth course. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast and definitely head over to myessentialbirth.com for the free downloads mentioned right here in these episodes and to join the birth course and community full of pregnant moms just like you. I have to add a disclaimer that I am not a medical professional and I cannot provide medical advice. All of the information expressed in this podcast are based off of personal, professional, and educational experiences and are my own opinions. Please work with a provider you trust for medical advice during your pregnancy and birth. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I am here with you again, and I have another reviewer of the week. This one is Hannahbell02, and she says, love this podcast. Hi, my name is Hannah, and I'm currently 26 weeks pregnant and found this podcast back when me and my husband first started trying. All of the information in this podcast is easy to digest and non-biased. I love hearing about all of my options for birth and learning all the ways my partner can support me throughout. We recently began taking my essential birth course and we are feeling confident and educated as we get closer to our due date. Absolutely recommend to anybody looking for ways to feel more prepared and in control of your birth no matter what that looks like for you. Hannah, that is awesome. And honestly, I couldn't have said that. I feel like the last was like a perfect tagline because that's kind of my thing, right? Feel confident and prepared no matter how you choose to give birth. So if you're going medicated or unmedicated or at home or birth center, or whatever you decide to do, um, if you have the good information, if you have all that knowledge, you can make a decision that's right for you, however you want your birth to look. So um, thank you for leaving that uh, wonderful review. And I'm excited that you're in the pod, not in the podcast. I'm excited you're in the birth course and that you're here following along in the podcast and that I get to read that. It like kind of makes it come full circle, which is really awesome. This week is actually kind of neat how this topic came. It's not that I wouldn't have covered this at some point, but I had a couple of emails that came in this week that were specific about they had questions about preeclampsia and also wondering kind of what should I do moving forward? And is this a topic that you will cover on your podcast? And I love that question. So if I haven't said that here before, maybe you haven't heard it recently, or maybe you're new here with me. If you send me an email at hello at myessentialbirth.com, you can reach out and tell me what's going on with you and request whatever you might be interested in for a podcast episode. It's not that every single request is going to make it on here. There are definitely a lot that I, I don't get to all of them. 
But uh, this is definitely one that I felt like, oh, it's coming up in a couple different areas. These questions are really good. I feel like I could answer you personally. And it would make more sense if I answer this for everybody that can be listening because you're not the only people that are going to come up on it. And it can be a little bit confusing or you just feel lost and you need a little direction. So with that in mind, I'm talking about preeclampsia today. I'm talking about preeclampsia that happens during pregnancy. And I'm going to talk about postpartum preeclampsia, which you may not have heard of before. Um, in fact, that's kind of like a newer thing for me, understanding how it works. And in fact, you can have postpartum preeclampsia, which is just kind of crazy. So take a listen. We're going to cover those things right here today. Uh, and then if you have any more questions following this episode, definitely feel free to reach out. Obviously, hello at myessentialbirth.com or you can send me a DM at myessentialbirth on Instagram. Uh, feel free to reach out in any of those places. But let's dive into it. First off, what is preeclampsia? Now, if you are a first-time mom, you may have never heard of this unless you know somebody close to you or have a friend or somebody who's gone through it or is currently dealing with preeclampsia. But preeclampsia is a concern um, because it can lead to eclampsia, but also it, it creates a situation where... Um, mom and baby, you're trying to decide like what's safer, baby in the belly or baby out of the belly and how long can mom go before we're talking induction and things like that. So it's one of those situations where it's a medical condition uh, that does come up fairly regularly during pregnancy. And we'll talk about ways to prevent it and stuff. But just so that you're aware that it's a medical condition that can cause things like induction and stuff to become part of your birth story, which is totally fine, just part of the process. But I want you to be aware of what that looks like for you. So um, like I said, it can develop pregnancy or postpartum. I'm going to talk about the pregnancy one right now. But oftentimes what you'll hear is when you go to one of your provider's appointment, because when you go into the doctor, right, they check your blood pressure, they check your urine. Um, maybe they do a vaginal exam, but that the blood pressure and the urine is like a common every time you meet with your provider, that's something that they check. And so the way that you hear if you or they have an idea of if you have preeclampsia is it looks like high blood pressure for mom during pregnancy. That's typically how it starts. And then as it increases, you'll often see protein in the urine um, and some swelling, especially in like your hands and feet or in the face for mom. And we all know that pregnancy swelling is a normal occurrence, but this would be edema, like where it's um, so like if your hand is swollen, you know, with like fluids or whatever, and you poke your hand, that divot stays in there. That poke where you poked it kind of stays pitted and it takes a, a little bit for it to kind of like pop back out. So those are some of the things that they're checking for. Now, I want to put just a really quick caution and preface here that if you are presenting with high blood pressure and it happens just at the provider's office, this is one of those things that I feel like I'm hearing more and more often recently. Um, moms will take their blood pressure at home. They're like, my blood pressure is totally fine. I get to the provider's office and it spikes and they're worried about my blood pressure and they're talking about induction and they think I have preeclampsia, even though you don't have protein in the urine. Um, you're not having headaches or vision changes. You don't have any other signs. You don't have the swelling. So keep that in mind because um, there is a condition called white coat syndrome. It's very real. It happens for women. It's something that the providers are all taught in their classes that they take, uh, whether you're a nurse or a doctor or whatever. White coat syndrome is a real thing. In other words, you get anxious 
when you're with providers, when you're at the doctor's office, when you're getting tests done. And so that presents as high blood pressure when you're stressed, right? High blood pressure during those times. So if that's the only thing presenting, get a second opinion, challenge it, talk to them about your blood pressure stuff at home um, and make help make good decisions with your provider based off of that. Now, back to now we're going to get into if it is preeclampsia, right? Um, so this is, it's pretty common uh, in the way of, so I think the stats are like five, between five to 8% or about one in 25 women. So, I mean, it's it's enough that it is a lot, like, I feel like this comes up in the birth course quite a bit. This comes up um, with doula clients that I've had uh, in the birth community. I'm like going through all the people that I talk to. Like preeclampsia is a pretty common thing. They say five to eight percent. I feel like for the amount of women that I know, it might be a little bit more than that. Uh, but maybe it's on that eight percent side. But in other words, it's not uncommon. It's something for you to keep an eye open about and to understand how to prevent and what to do if you are diagnosed with it. Um, there is a difference between gestational hypertension and preeclampsia. So I do want to make that distinction here. In other words, if you have high blood pressure, that is not white coat syndrome, you have actual high blood pressure and no protein in your urine, they may call that mild preeclampsia. But that is one way that it can present. Like you see that high blood pressure first. So that is something to keep in mind. There are different stages of preeclampsia as well. So you kind of have the like mild side of things and the more severe side of things. So I want to go over the symptoms because if you're listening here and you're trying to self-diagnose or you're thinking through, oh, well, this happened at the last appointment or I've been feeling this way since whenever, um, even postpartum, right? Then it can help you uh, maybe be able to bring up some of those concerns or at least have it in your mind, kind of in the back of your mind to be paying attention to those things throughout your pregnancy. So mild symptoms are going to include an elevated blood pressure, water retention, where it's that edema that we were talking about, and protein in the urine. That is preeclampsia. That's not just that gestational hypertension. That's the mild form of preeclampsia. It can stay there or it can go more severe. On the more severe side of things, you'll have those mild symptoms plus things like a headache and vision changes. Um, new nausea symptoms is something that can come up. Difficulty with breathing, fatigue, pain in the upper right part of your abdomen. If you are bruising easily, you can have decreased urine output decreased platelet levels, and even impaired liver function, which obviously some of that would have to be done with testing. But those are where it's headed for a more severe situation. That next stage, the one we never want to get to, would be eclampsia, and that's where you're worried about having seizures. And obviously, a mom who's having seizures is at risk as well as her baby. So that's always what they're trying to avoid is heading towards any more of the, the severe stuff, but definitely never wanting to hit eclampsia. So how does this affect mom? Now, obviously, if it's not treated, that can be a bad thing. It can lead to serious complications. That can be like liver and kidney failure and then future cardiovascular issues. So keep that in mind as you are kind of coming up to some of these things. What I was saying like early on is if you're if you're a new mom and you're newly pregnant, maybe you haven't heard of this, like chances of you hearing about it during your pregnancy, it's not going to be till the later part of your pregnancy, the second half. Oftentimes it doesn't present until that very final stretch, those last like four weeks or so 
uh, in pregnancy. And that's where moms can get a little like flustered if they haven't heard of it by then, because then they're like, oh, shoot, they're saying induction. And what should I do? And, you know, all of that. So that's kind of where I was like (laughs) early on. It's good to know, um, especially if you haven't come up against it before, that these are these are signs. These are symptoms. As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot, totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Now, um, I mentioned it can lead to life-threatening conditions. That would be the eclampsia, seizures, obviously bad for mom, bad for baby. HELP syndrome is another one that goes along with that. That's the H-E-L-L-P syndrome. It stands for hemolysis, elevated liver enzymes, and low platelet count. That the HELP syndrome would usually occur rather late in pregnancy. Um, it's oftentimes associated with preeclampsia. So those who have preeclampsia during pregnancy, I think it's about 15% of women that are diagnosed with preeclampsia will end up developing this HELP syndrome. However, HELP syndrome is also kind of its own thing. It is not preeclampsia. And so you can develop it without having the high blood pressure and stuff. So, but For the sake of talking about preeclampsia right now, just know if you have preeclampsia that this is also something that they'll be looking for or just kind of for you to to have that information that HELP syndrome is something that can happen if you have preeclampsia. And what HELP syndrome does is it affects the breakdown of red blood cells, like how, um, how the blood clots and how the liver functions. So all of that together obviously would be a little trickier of a situation going into labor. Preeclampsia can be a little tricky because it prevents the placenta from getting enough blood, which is obviously not good for the baby. So the baby gets less oxygen, less food. That's they can end up being a lower birth weight. Um, However, most babies are born healthy if preeclampsia is detected and treated early, which is why it's great to have those all those you're hitting all those checkup milestones, which at the end is weekly. Right. And there's a reason for that. Now, let's talk about treatment. So if you're close to your due date, the chances are that your provider is probably going to want to schedule an induction. Now, again, this is to make sure it is not that white coat syndrome and it's not just the hypertension. Depending on where your numbers are, your history, your medical stuff, I'm not a medical provider. I am not here to provide medical advice. This is information that you can discuss with your provider and you guys can come together and make a decision that's going to be best for you. But it's information that I think is important to have. So oftentimes... Like if you've hit 36, 37 weeks and you're presenting with preeclampsia, you've been diagnosed with preeclampsia, induction is the conversation that you're going to have. Um, in mild cases, if you're less than 37 weeks gestation, they're probably going to recommend rest lying on your left side to take the weight off of the baby and the, the major blood vessels, that vena cava. Um, 
and additional prenatal checkups to monitor blood pressure, kidney and liver function, all that they're going to want to monitor a little bit more closely, obviously, if this is something that you present with. You'll also want to make sure to increase your water intake. And if you're not already, make sure that you are getting more protein in your diet. Now, just so that we're clear here, once you have been diagnosed with preeclampsia, once that presents itself during pregnancy, there's no going back. You can't reverse it. So you're just it's maintenance as best as you can um, and treatment that's not going to prevent it from or like make it go back. But that the goal is to make it not get worse if you can, because sometimes our bodies just do what they do, right? Um, if it's a severe case and baby is less than 37 weeks gestation, that's where we're talking things like blood pressure medication, um, everything else that I just mentioned, possible bed rest and steroids for baby's lungs, because if the condition worsens and they need to get baby out quickly, we want to make sure that those lungs are developed. Um, IV magnesium to prevent seizures and, like I said, possibly an induction if things are so bad that it's not safe for mom, not safe for baby. It's headed towards that eclampsia. So obviously, conversation to have with your provider, and that's who you're going to trust during that time. I thought it would be important to put in here who is at risk. So if you've previously had gestational hypertension or preeclampsia, um, then obviously you're at a heightened risk to have it again. If women in your family had preeclampsia, if you are carrying multiples, if you're younger than 20 years or older than age 40, if you have had high blood pressure or kidney disease before becoming pregnant, and if you have a BMI over 30. Now, you may be wondering what the cause of preeclampsia is, and it's kind of one of those tricky things, both postpartum and uh, prenatal preeclampsia. The exact cause isn't totally known, so it's kind of a mystery in that way, although there is some thought behind thinking it has to do with improper function of the placenta, um, including insufficient blood flow to the placenta. So those are some trains of thought. But more importantly, let's talk about some prevention that we can work on. The truth is, and this is the case with a lot of things in regards to pregnancy, there's no way to 100% prevent this. However, if you have a high-protein, well-balanced diet, that has been shown more than anything else to prevent preeclampsia. So the lots and lots of protein, 75 grams plus. And um, as we are learning more and more, it's even closer to like 100, 100 grams a day if you can do it. So high, high-protein, uh, well-balanced diet, you know, that's kind of if you know anything about macros or even if you don't, just basically you want to have fruits and vegetables and make sure you get your protein and um, healthy fats. You know, as long as you are are doing that, if you're focusing first on the protein, it really makes everything else a little bit easier to get. If you're more focused on did I have enough fruits or vegetables today, you might not hit the protein. So I always say focus on your protein first, make sure that you're hitting those numbers first and let everything else kind of fall into place. As long as the other options are well-balanced, healthy, you know, colorful rainbow plate of food items, then that's going to be your best bet. So the other part of that is staying active. So (laughs) if you have been with me in the My Essential Birth Course, the first two things we talk about are nutrition and exercise. And it's not because it's something that I feel like we need to check those boxes and get it out of the way because it's something every mother should know. And now that we know, we can move on. It's because of things like this, because when we learn about how our body likes staying active 
and treating it well with what we put into it, that really good nutrition with that high protein during pregnancy, you're preventing things that allow you to be more in control of your birth as time goes on or in control of your pregnancy too as time goes on. Um, So all of those things that you have dreamed up for your birth, if we can keep you in control by making sure that you've got this healthy, well-balanced lifestyle, then that's what you want to do. So think of that. Uh, like immediately that's one way that you can do your best to prevent it start that today if you're not doing it already um lots and lots of water six to eight glasses daily try to avoid things like caffeine um obviously over amounts of sugar and things like that um caffeine specifically though okay another thing that moms have asked um, had to do with low dose aspirin so Many of you, if you have, if you're here with me, you've had preeclampsia before and you got pregnant again, your provider may or may not have offered to do a low dose of aspirin throughout your pregnancy so that you can, as as a prevention method for preeclampsia. So uh, if you haven't been offered that yet, it's totally fine. This is kind of one of those recommended things. Um, you obviously have the right to choose to take it or choose to not take it. But sometimes a provider will recommend that as a way to um, keep that risk low. Now, there's different trains of thoughts on this. And um, there are some studies that show that it does well. And there's other trains of thoughts that say, you know, we don't notice a difference or we're worried about harm for baby. So it's kind of one of those things where you get to make it up for yourself, that that decision on what sounds best for you. Um, but if and it's not even just if you've had preeclampsia. Sometimes if you're you have like a mom or, you know, a, a relative that has had preeclampsia, it can be recommended as well. So kind of like when you're checking off those questions early on in that early appointment time for your pregnancy, if that comes up, they may recommend that. So definitely something that you can research for yourself, but that's something that could be recommended by your provider. And then I thought it would be really important to touch on postpartum preeclampsia because, again, this is one of the conversations that I got to have this week. And, um, you know, from a mom that did not have eclampsia or high blood pressure or protein in her urine or anything during pregnancy, but postpartum, things just kind of went crazy and it was like a quick onset of it. So postpartum preeclampsia can happen immediately after birth. Uh, it can follow preeclampsia from your prenatal period or it can pop up on its own. It can pop up quickly. You can have a late onset, but it'll likely be within that first six weeks is what they're looking at for something like this to pop up. So remember those warning signs like we talked before. Um, That's elevated blood pressure, postpartum, it can be stomach pain, nausea, severe headaches, seeing spots or having any kind of vision changes, shortness of breath, and again, that swelling or that edema in your hands and face um, or even in your feet and sometimes your legs, depending on how far up um, or how, you know, far out that edema is spreading. So have that in your mind, just as those warning signs, sometimes it's easy, especially postpartum, because you're like, I just got hit by a truck. Like there's so many things that I'm feeling in my body right now. And you're like, I just need to sleep or I just need whatever. Um, it's really easy to ignore some of those warning signs sometimes. So pay attention if you've got that swelling, if you've got the headaches, if you've got vision changes, if those things are cut and you're like, something doesn't feel right, listen to that. Because when you do have an issue with postpartum preeclampsia or it does develop, that's like a, hey, we need to get help for this right now. It's not a wait and see approach. So keep that in mind. Um, 
as far as postpartum goes, well, okay, hold on. Before I get into that, let me talk about the treatment. Should you have postpartum preeclampsia, then the treatment will be, a lot of times they do, depending on the severity of it, like an IV drip of magnesium, so a medication that's going to kind of slow things down, or and or a blood pressure medication that's going to lower blood pressure. So that's what you will do, get the stable at the hospital or whatever you need to do, and then head home, pay attention to things, blood pressure checks, all that kind of stuff. As far as prevention goes for postpartum, when you can, and this will right, depend on if you've had a cesarean birth or how you're feeling after birth, if you've had a lot of stitches, all of that, um, move your body every day. And that can start with diaphragmatic breathing. That can start with like some knee openers and um, really gentle uh, pelvic exercises. But, you know, in a couple of days or a week or so, like you want to be walking around. If you can get outside, I think that's good, not just for all the stuff we're talking about right now, but for postpartum depression and all that stuff. Um, Get outside, get fresh air, take your baby with you or in a stroller or whatever. And, um, and make sure that you're moving your body. It's our bodies, they need to rest and they also need to move. And part of that healing happens with some movement. So think about gentle exercise early on. And like I said, it could just be a walk. Um, getting adequate sleep. And I know some moms are just laughing their little hearts away right now listening to this because I would be one of them just like, yeah, right, get sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can, right? And if you're noticing like you're really not getting any sleep, pay attention to that and let a partner know, call in a postpartum doula, call in some friends and family, whatever you got to do so that you can receive rest. And if you're not, talk to somebody about it. And then back to nutrition. Um, That same good nutrition that we talk about in pregnancy is just as important in postpartum. So that is, you can stick with that high protein, well-balanced diet. Um, Along with that is like, if you're taking a prenatal vitamin, you continue those postpartum or you can move to a multivitamin. Um, Drinking lots of water, all of that, that stuff that we talk about in regards to good nutrition. Um, I know it's probably hard to think about anything else in those first few weeks besides your baby and their needs, but it's really important for you to be taking care of yourself as well. This is this is just the way postpartum goes. It's so easy for us, you guys. We are wired this way. Like we have a baby and that's the focus. Like our focus like is immediate that like I am here to keep this baby alive and it's this whirlwind of um just it's a lot. And especially with that first baby, I feel like as time goes on, second, third, you do get a little more comfortable. You can find your stride a little bit more easy. Um, maybe you're just one of those amazing women that the very first baby you have, you're like, oh, I got this, <laughs> you know, but if that's not you, um, make sure that that you're paying attention to you and your needs too. In fact, that's something that I really put on the partners postpartum is make sure mom's eating, make sure she's drinking, make sure she has a break, make sure she gets a shower. Like what do her needs look like? She shouldn't be up cooking right away unless she really feels good and wants to. Um, you know, rest, relaxation, movement, getting outside, eating, drinking, all those things are really important. So that's how you can kind of like check in with yourself postpartum. And you can even just think of doing like a nightly scan, a daily or nightly scan, or, you know, once my baby falls asleep or takes this afternoon nap, you know, I'm just going to rest here or as I go to fall asleep, go from your head to your toe. How does my head feel? Do you have any headaches? You know, how are my eyes? Am I like squinting them a lot? Do I have any vision changes, blurriness, dots, all that Um, all the way down? Like, am I smelling okay? What am I hearing? Like, is am I calm? Do I feel like I hear like buzzing or um, are noises, loud noises getting me ruffled? 
Uh, my mouth, right? What am I eating? What am I drinking? What am I saying to other people? What am I keeping in my head? Uh, all the way down, all the way down. How are your breasts feeling? How's your abdomen feeling? Legs, feet, hands. I mean, all of it. I do I do the same thing when I visit moms as a, as a birth doula. When I do my postpartum visit, that's something, whether or not they realize that I'm doing it or not, that I'm walking them through that. I want a head to toe check on mom what how's she feeling um how's she processing the birth all of that and then i can help like well i noticed you said this or kind of like validating and talking repeating back to mom and then offering suggestions and help so make sure you're talking to people make sure that you're um, being open with your birth partner or other people that come to visit and help with baby or postpartum tasks or whatever uh, because they can be kind of that first line of defense even like your mom that's visiting you know moms are we're in tune this way and i can imagine a mom and visiting her daughter and knowing like hey something's off like yeah you're postpartum yeah things are crazy you're not getting sleep and i think you need a little bit more support or something doesn't seem right and between the two of you, you can figure it out same with your birth partner maybe family friends whatever but Having people in your birth space that you know and trust um, can also be a good helper for those catching those kinds of signs early on. Same with postpartum doulas, birth doulas, all that. Um, Okay. I think I want to end that with if you are noticing signs of preeclampsia during pregnancy, during postpartum, uh, but especially postpartum, because I think at least in pregnancy, you're like, I've got a doctor to call. I'm worried about the baby. You're like more thinking about that and not so distracted with baby. But if you're noticing those signs, you're concerned at all, call in, ask the nurse or provider, uh, go make an appointment, meet with your provider, check your blood pressure at home if you have a way to do that. But do what you can because it is serious and you want to take care of it as quickly as possible. Again, if you guys have any more questions, anything regarding this episode, you can reach out at hello at myessentialbirth.com or shoot me a DM at myessentialbirth on Instagram. I will see you guys next week. That's it for this week, but make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you get notifications first as I drop new episode every week. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for all of the free downloads mentioned here and to join the birth course and community serving pregnant moms just like you. If you enjoyed this and other episodes, I would love it if you would take a few minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one and include one at the beginning of each episode. See you next week.